whatever you plan on happening never happens. Stuff you'd never think of happens. So you just have to. You have to come on, come on, come on. Come on, 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 come on. Okay, tight 30, here we go. All right, everybody, welcome into a little Give It a Stream episode of the pod. Uh, we're Matt and Bob, we're here to pod, uh, catch you up on uh, kind of the, the, the movies and TV that we've been streaming over the holidays. You're listening to the Analysis. Now, uh, don't be alarmed, ladies and gentlemen, by those dulcet tones. It is still mm. Bob Panalone, but he's upgraded his mic finally. Luxury sounds. How does it sound? <laughs> Luxurious. <laughs> so when we first started this podcast back in 2015, Andrew Dice Clay Review Show. Everyone's fa- Andrew Dice Clay Review Show. Everyone's favorite. The number one Andrew Dice Clay Showtime Show Dice Review Show. One of one. I bought a blue snowball microphone. Perfect. Let me let me do a little consumer reporting for you here, Hayes. <laughs> Uh-huh. Perfect starter microphone for an idiot trying to start a shitty podcast about Andrew Dice Clay. What was it, 50 bucks? About somewhere around 50 bucks. Easy USB, you plug it in, it's about uh-huh. a two-minute tutorial and you can party. I have yet to upgrade my microphone since. <laughs> Over six Blue years. snowball. Six-year-old year snowball mic. Every year I go, oh, I'll get a new microphone. Oh, let me take myself seriously here. Get myself a new microphone. And I finally did it. So here we are. We are in the new microphone era. Apogee Mic Plus, Condenser, uh, Omnidirectional, uh, Compact, good stuff, man. Uh, I, I think yeah. uh, it's solid value. Anyway, yeah. let's move past that very quickly. Uh, and on to the, uh, the movies that uh, we've been watching. Now, you and I both took down Come On, Come On, Mike Mills, uh, Joaquin Phoenix, black and white, JP. gorgeous film. Uh, Mike Mills has actually... So The Beginners is uh, one of my favorite t- trailers ever. Um, it's uh, Christopher Plummer just delivering knockout banger one-liners of uh, uh was it you uh, mcgregor and christopher plummer yeah. christopher plummer is this old guy he just lost his wife and he comes out as gay Ian <laughs> mcgregor going through that transition or at least the realization that your dad is gay which, which comes which which was the theme in white lotus as well mm-hmm. i'm gay uh, and also the dog talks through subtitles the, the movie is just a, a delight so uh friend of mine saw Come On, Come On. I thought it was like a Beatles thing. We got like the Beatles, you know, uh, documentary out now. I thought this was like on the heels of that. Completely different, not related to the Beatles whatsoever. Um, but yeah, what do Even you think? Even though there I... are documentary elements in it. Yeah. Yeah, there are. Uh, audio documentary. Uh, this is a really cool movie. Uh, first of all, it's gorgeous. Yeah. Um, and really sweet. It's about like communicating and trying to understand, you know, kids and, you know... Um, just get perspective on, on, I guess, just communicating in general and, and dealing with mental health. It's really, really quiet but sweet, genuine film that looks amazing. Um, and Joaquin just, just, just nailing it again. 
It was buried on my list for a while until you text me and saying this movie's beautiful, or maybe you put it up on Instagram or something. And <clears throat> and when I get the Matt Hayes approval, then it obviously raises to <laughs> a much watch status for me. So uh-huh. I I went and watched it, and and I agree with you. This is a really cool movie for JP, as he's known in my apartment, but. <laughs> Of Joaquin coming off of the Joker and how big and, and mm-hmm. chaotic and crazy and, and all of the scenery, like charging down the steps and stomping in puddles and smeared blood on his face. And then you cut to this where he's put on another 40 pounds and it's this quiet, introspective parenting slash family slash personal realization and it was a really cool movie to juxtapose and have them kind of come back to back in a career yeah this guy is always just going just like ping-ponging with his career you know he comes into the scene with gladiator and you're like who's this blowhard and then he does like these incredible actor movies and then we see him in the the master and you're like what the who (laughs) yeah he really is is he can do anything. Yeah. He's, he, it's really, I, I've, I've, there's a lot of a- actors out there that are multidimensional or ha- have a, a wide range here. And, and I, I've even just started to have some of those feelings about Nicole Kidman after watching a, a lot of her recent projects and how big of a variety there is. I, I, I really think he, he's not just, he, it's not just that he can do them all. It's that he does them all at such a high level. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Whatever he's in, he's in 100%, whether it be like, you know, Walk the Line, Johnny Cash, Her, I I always, is one of my favorites. Yeah, Her is my favorite. I would say Her is my favorite Joaquin Phoenix performance. Uh, I agree. Well, what's so funny is because, like, I was such a huge Gladiator fan, and, I mean, he plays, like, this smarmy dick so well that you kind of, like, hate him, and then you see him in, what was it? Oh, uh, We Own the Night. I'm trying to think of what came out just after that, that signs oh yeah signs and then uh i guess he was in the village as well uh yeah walk the line i guess was kind of the first like oh the guy from gladiator and then rev uh reservation road mm-hmm. master i think is where he takes off yeah so anyway yeah master um, is when you're really like oh this guy is the shit but he was nominated for walk the line so i guess maybe that's the watershed moment but yeah I, this movie too is cool because it has some really interesting directing choices and just style choices in in general with the storytelling so first of all you got like the black and white and for a while i was trying to figure out what they were going with with the black and white i I think to me it was more of the it it feels like a documentary almost the way it's shot and he's a documentarian Mm -hmm. and so i i to, to me i think the black and white while also making the film look beautiful also gives you this old school 60s documentary feel yeah i think that's yeah also yeah they kind of look like they're well i mean children of the 60s making documentaries yeah i think you're right like boots on the ground like like who goes into people's apartments with like audio equipment and just i mean it just felt very old school well and even just radio just a radio documentary is old school in itself and and really if you watch this movie you wouldn't if i told you this movie was shot in 1987 you wouldn't Mm -hmm. say no way right i mean i guess there's cell phones and stuff that are involved but like it it just has that feel and so and, and i also really liked that there are these moments where it's almost 
set it, it the story is almost told in chapters and it's preluded with a poem that Joaquin is reading into his microphone and it, it really sets the tone for what's happening instead of doing a voiceover it's this guy with this book that he's cataloged all of these different pieces of poetry that are relevant to what the character is going through in that time which I really thought was cool as well yeah bringing that back um throughout the movie was was really interesting because he's almost like he he keeps like a uh, an audio diary um of him just like just laying down his thoughts and like kind of going over the day and you know he's kind of like this he's kind of this cool uncle but he's he's like journaling it's like a video or it's an audio journal yeah audio journal of of his experience taking care of his sister's uh child eight years old how old was the kid yeah around there less than 10 and like he's he kind of like he he positions himself as the cool uncle but then once he's like thrown into it he's that that image is like hanging by a thread (laughs) where he's like he's trying to be cool but he's also losing his mind like actually having this this uh possibly on the spectrum child or just a really smart quick-witted manic kid um and there's so many interesting things that they do with the kid like when he has to roll he he likes to do these fantasy role plays with whoever his caretaker is to get him to eat or get him to go to bed he pretends like he's an orphan and that he's staying the night over with his mom and stuff like they they have a very unique way of communicating and and i think that's part of what the movie is trying to say is because he's Joaquin Phoenix's character is going around interviewing all of these kids and you're getting their perspective and you're realizing through the experience of him making this documentary that if you treat kids with with respect and if you speak with them instead of down to them, yeah. it's actually pretty enlightening and they have some real shit to say sometimes. And so that's that's an element that's happening. And then also what I really loved, my, my favorite part of the movie is he reads a poem about what it's like to be interviewed or what it's like for the subject of an interview and how enlightening it is and how you can, I'm paraphrasing here, but how you you do a lot of self-revelation in that. And this kid that he's caring for basically turns the microphone on him and starts interviewing him. And it's through that experience that he's able to make a lot of self-revelation. Yeah, he's kind of put on his toes when the kid does that too. Uh, And then the kid has Why are you alone? (laughs) Why do you live? Why, why haven't yeah. you found somebody? Oh, well, I, I, yeah, um, <clears throat> yeah, I, this, I feel like these characters could have been in like a Noah Baumbach film. Oh, all, yeah, like, this is very Baumbachy. They're all heightened and smart, and it, they're uh, uh, very in touch with their emotions, uh, but, but they're also uh, um, hurt, um, and, you know, l- lacking in certain quality, or, you know, certain um, self confidence, that sort of yeah. thing. But, uh, yeah, just very witty and 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 intellectual. There's a lot of like intellectual discussion. You know, there's there's not a whole lot of just uh, just wasted time. It's a lot of discussion and talking mm-hmm. things th- talking things through. And he really learns through that though, through that experience. He that's where you start to see him able to evolve in being transparent in communication with his sister about their childhood, about their fallout after this bipolar episode with her partner, with, with all these yeah. things, they're, they're finally able to, it takes that experience of taking care of that kid to heal up a lot of those wounds that have happened in their life. And you also, he, and he forms this really sweet bond with his 
nephew, and and I think he he talks about that that he listens to the audio of his nephew just doing his own audio journal, and he talks about how he's his best friend, that Joaquin's his best friend. It's really yeah. beautiful. It's very sweet. It's a very beautiful and sweet movie. Yeah, and then also like the where the title comes from that that kind of ending voiceover of the so he's reviewing kind of yeah. the the kids uh, the kids taking the mic and he's kind of I don't know speaking directly to Joaquin's character and it's like you know you just gotta you just gotta come on you just gotta come on and do stuff and that's it was so profound mm-hmm. from like an eight year old yeah you can't sit here and dwell on and make all these plans for your life because it's inevitably going to be chaotic and in those moments you just got to come on you got to keep coming you got to keep coming and yeah really really profound yeah that was great i i think it definitely needs to be on people's radar i think it's uh in terms of uh top movies of the year it's uh, gotta be up there uh at least absolutely so it'd be on my top 10 um, absolutely so yeah what's uh yeah, so I I would say that's that's uh, go give it a stream. Definitely um, give that a stream. Do you uh, anything else you want to toss out there as a give it a stream? I just watched Being the Ricardos, the new Sorkin project. You have Nicole Kidman playing Lucille Ball. You have Javier Bardem playing Desi Arnaz. I really enjoyed that. I know you haven't seen it, but r- really interesting approach and and. Once we have some friends of the pod or maybe yourself that go see it, I really like to get in and, and chew on some of the details of that movie. But I would give that a high recommend. Other than that, I've been catching up actually in Streamtown on TV. So in my life, I can't count on two hands the amount of time people have just insisted that I watch Ted Lasso. And so I went and did two seasons of Ted Lasso and maybe chuckled twice. Who who are the people insisting that we watch this show? Because I, I know it's a big hit and it, it's it's getting a lot of Emmys. I watched the first season. But so who, who are the people recommending it to? Why do they think you would like it? You're not like a soccer guy. I Well, I guess they just think that I it's it's just people recommend me things that they're watching. Uh-huh. And so I, I just like a lot of like, like um, Friend of the pod, Colin Shea, Mike Hammond really liked it. He he was on talking to Kate Loveless on our writer's room conversation, and that was one that they had both said that they really enjoyed. People at my Halloween party, I, I just, like, people really are... Because of Sudeikis? Not, I, I honestly they, don't get why people... I know, me and you are on kind of, like, what's the big deal with Ted Lasso Island, because it really feels like the the world loves this and and I get it it, 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 Kate actually said on that podcast a a few months back but she said she feels sometimes critics when it came to her work they would get on some sort of narrative and then one narrative would just get shared over and over and over again and the narrative on Ted Lasso is very much like it's wholesome it's good it makes people feel good to share it around Mm -hmm. and it's got these kind of these wholesome treat everybody with kindness it's got this warm blanket type of a feeling when you watch it but i i a don't find it funny at all i think all the jokes and premises of the episodes are very surface level it is profoundly unfunny yeah it's like oh tea is gross and they say (laughs) wanker over here and it's like that it's like i've never laughed at it honestly in any of the episodes and i also just find a lot of the lessons that the show tries to teach is i'm not learning anything like yeah bullying is bad okay 
Like, I just, I just like, I, for me, I don't understand why this is winning 30 Emmys at the Emmys and why this is like become a huge part of our pop culture consciousness. Yeah, it is crazy. I mean, I'm not about to, I'm not going to dump on a show that's like wholesome and sweet and makes people feel good, but like the fact that it's winning awards then kind of puts it into a territory where it's like, what are we awarding here? You can feel nice watching a show that isn't about informative murder porn for once but but (laughs) but that doesn't mean it's amazing i mean this it's so lazy to like the 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 british are funny or or uh weird jokes is so lazy it's so uh, our friend greg said this uh enemy of the podcast Uh, um yeah enemy um that it's just it's safe cbs sitcom humor which is filling the void left by people not watching broadcast safe sitcom humor anymore but yeah, it's, just, it's basically like the new how i met your mother it's 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 a show about uh english premier league football written by americans for americans who've never even watched the gate sport it's every character is so cliche the jokes are so corny there's oh the the hothead veteran captain of the team and the, the hard-nosed guy and like the flamboyant person and it's so safe and easy and boring i mean the the the, and just honestly the 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 number one thing for me is that it's just not funny at all yeah i have not laughed and 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 so i've I've also heard and i've been in and they're not here to defend themselves but you know i'm in these text threads with friends friends of the pod and and they're defending it and they're like well why does it have to be a comedy like why are you so hung up on on the fact that it's not funny and i'm like well there's it's a 30 minute episode arc each time that has at least six or seven bits and if you're never laughing in 10 20 hours worth of television and it, it labels itself as a comedy uh, isn't like it winning trying to be funny isn't it winning emmys for comedy writing for comedy yeah the, all of these things like they want it to be a comedy so the fact that it's not funny to me is a failure of the show I just, I don't connect with it. Supporting I know, actress, I know comedy series, outstanding comedy series, 21, lead actor in a comedy series, supporting actor in a comedy series. Why are you so bent out of shape that it's not funny? It's like, well, it's not a drama. I would actually say that Succession is funnier than Ted Lasso is. Oh, abso- like, absolutely. I genuinely laugh at moments of Succession. I never laugh at Ted Lasso. Well, isn't, uh, I forget who said this, maybe it's just like uh, uh, Stanislavski or something, but is it oh, the best comedy find the drama and the best dramas find the humor um yeah but uh yeah th- so that's my biggest problem with it i think the moments it succeeds and i've only seen the first season because i can't bear to watch more of it but the first season when when he's throwing darts uh and he's kind of making his points it's like oh this guy's actually a dominant darts player yeah and it's that like was a really cool scene this jerk off British investor guy who owns the team is like, oh, I'm going to show this American what's up, and he gets his ass kicked, and also he's, like, making all these great points. That was, like, first of all, great acting by Sudeikis, really uh, well-directed and written scene, and then it was effective uh, and emotionally charged. I I don't see that the rest of the series, not with any other character at all. Everyone else other than uh, Sudeikis is bad. Like I think they're bad actors. It's crazy, but whatever. I don't mind Juno Temple. She's she's done other things that I've liked. I don't necessarily think she's great in that that show, but I think I think overall she's she's 
solid. I just, yeah, I didn't connect with it. I know there's a lot of people who are probably shaking their fists at their radio right now listening to us because they love the show. And we're just, we're out here on, on Lasso Hater Island. But so that's something I've been streaming and, and I understand why people like it. Like, I understand. I just, I don't, and I don't connect. I don't think that the premises and the lessons that come through the show in terms of some of its its themes I feel are, are deep enough to, to make an impact yeah, with me. It's just, so. it's just a little too cheesy for me. And also a yeah, guy... It's too cheesy. Uh, I, it's too sitcom It's too sitcom It's It's too um, network sitcom Yeah, it is. It's... it's it's uh, Yeah, exactly. I, I reached out to my uh, my family in England, and they've never heard of it, uh, let alone watched it, uh, which is, you know, completely reasonable. But uh, yeah. it's just not for... It's not for people that actually watch soccer and know what they're talking about and it's not for people that actually you know british it's not british humor it's american humor is it's i don't know i just yeah. it just bugs me um but so what is making you laugh other than uh, maybe you should leave i belly laugh almost south park level belly laugh at the new series mcgruber on peacock so it just <laughs> got released on just peacock uh-huh. and it's an eight episode 30 minute an episode arc where is if they made MacGruber 2, but broke it up into eight pieces. First of all, the, how do you feel about the sketch on SNL? Yes? No? I, I never thought the sketch was that funny. Yeah, okay. I, I was lukewarm I, on this. I'm a huge Forte guy. <laughs> yeah, huge. Huge Forte guy. We know, you know that. I mean, if anyone's listened to this. I mean, because you're, you're, you're big into Last Man on Earth, right? I loved Last Man on Earth. I he's obviously friends with Tim Robinson and he, and he was on I Think You Should Leave season one. Phenomenal <laughs> My sketch, favorite the sketch, baby sketch of both seasons. But he, I, I just think he's so funny. And the and when he got to do MacGruber the movie and they took the censorship training wheels off of him and he got to just go full, like, gag heavy and he got to swear and it just elevated the, the sketch material to, to another place for me. And I thought the MacGruber movie is one of my guiltiest pleasures. I It, it, it really makes me feel not as movie snobby and i know for a fact that i'm like a definitely a movie snob but the fact that i love mcgruber makes me feel like there's hope for me in in all other genres and so yeah. they they <clears throat> they brought this and they and last man on earth got canceled and peacock was looking for their streaming services they're looking to create content so lauren michaels produced this new one and, and it's basically him and john solomon dusting the moss, mothballs off yeah. and making making just just basically MacGruber 2. But it's so fucking funny. Does it take does it take off after the movie? Do, I mean, yeah. Oh, oh it there's it, it it basically they the the first episode there's a 10-minute song by Maya Rudolph that explains the entire plot oh, of MacGruber 1 okay, so cool. that you can understand what's about to happen in this next movie. <laughs> so if you don't have the time to go watch MacGruber 1, she just basically sings about it as the ghost as MacGruber's wife's ghost and then it, it and then you flow right into MacGruber okay, 2 cool, and, yeah cuz i haven't seen the movie i obviously the sketch is just like he's macgyver but he sucks and he it always blows up MacGruber! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, w- would you take MacGruber over last man on earth or or no i don't know last man on earth was was charming in its own way but MacGruber made me laugh hard i only watched the first season of uh, last man on earth because once there was that was network sitcom so it was safe it was a lot safer yeah well w- well once there were more than one person i was like eh. like like i i, I yeah. like okay he finds the one other person and that's kind of funny but then they kept finding more people 
I was like, all right, mm-hmm. well, this is kind of losing me here. But uh, I don't know. I, I, I assume... This one's definitely funnier. And, and you've got Kristen Wiig. She's very heavy in it. Yeah, and, okay. and it's just... God, it, it makes me laugh so much. So I did. <laughs> I would definitely say if you're into wacky, grosso, just silly humor, MacGruber, give it a stream. So it, it's like the... It's like... St- Fifty percent of like the, the silly South Park episodes, like the the suck on my oh, jack yeah. on episodes, and the it's the, yeah, uh, crab it's very, people. Very silly. <laughs> I wouldn't say it's that bizarre, but it's <laughs> it's definitely definitely very funny. You got uh, Billy Zane's in it. Oh, nice. the bad guy. All right, yeah. Classic. It's got Sam Elliott in it. It's got obviously Maya Rudolph in it. You know, it's one of my favorite. Uh, views uh, talking about streaming of the pandemic and this might have been just before but uh, sam elliott was in uh, the my favorite title for a movie and the movie didn't really live up to the title but it was the man who killed bigfoot and then hitler <laughs> did you ever watch that what, was it starring nicholas cage <sighs> no you would think so have you seen uh, Nicolas cage's new movie where he plays himself i have not seen that one i did see pig which wasn't bad we, we talked about Pig. Oh, yeah, we talked about Pig. Uh, th- Nick Cage is in a movie where he plays himself uh, as, like, a famous guy who's... He's commissioned or something, is... right? He's commissioned to go on a Yeah, trip. he's... Com- he's, he's, uh, he's hi- Nick Cage, the actor, has been hired to perform at some rich man's birthday party because his career is so, like... <laughs> Like down and out. Uh, anyway, that looks really. I, I love what Nick Cage. Yeah, is doing. yeah. It's it's, it's this very meta post celebrity and actual fame and relevancy type of movie career. Very meta career, yeah. Uh, but it's yeah. great. I mean, we, yeah, we talked about papers. All right, so we'll, we can cut it here. But I just want to give a few more shout outs to other things that are worth streamable. Uh, the Lost Daughter is on Netflix. It's Maggie Gyllenhaal's directorial debut. Uh, Olivia Coleman is in it and is great. Uh, maybe we can talk about that. After Get some chew on it. But I, I had a great, yeah, I had a great discussion with my with my mom who didn't really like it, and my sister jumped in and saw it. So the three of us kind of. Had a little uh, family movie chat about it. I, I think it's definitely worthwhile and fascinating and kind of confusing and a little dull, but ultimately really, really interesting. Uh, and then the card counter with uh, Oscar Isaac is also uh, available for download. Another guy having a year, five or six dollar rental. Yeah, Oscar. I love Oscar Isaac. I thought he was. I love Dune. I loved him in it. Um, but this is a Paul Schroeder oh, movie, yeah. and uh, if if you guys remember. Um, you know, we were big fans of First Reformed, mm-hmm. kind of a one of one of like the actual snubs from Oscar season. Uh, everyone talks about the snubs, but they don't tell you who they would re- replace the movies yeah. with. Um, I think that was like definitely left out of the the screenplay race um, as one of the better films when that came out. Card Counter is cool. It's uh, Oscar Isaac. He plays this like amazing poker player, but also um, a guy he was uh, involved with uh, Abu Ghraib, oh. like that, you know, whole uh, interrogation uh, uh, torture stuff that the U.S. military did. So it's it's very layered and, and co- it's like this cool thriller um, card poker thing. It's It combines a lot of genres and I, th- I was pretty intrigued by it. I bet so. the word Card Counter probably has multi-meanings in that film. Mm. 100%. Mm. Great. All right, guys. Well, yeah, a few options to give it a stream. Sign Sign my my stream. stream. 
Thank you guys for listening. Don't forget to wash your hands. Rock that subscribe button. Stay safe. Go watch Ted Lasso. And we will see you down the road. Down the road. Apogee, send us free mics. Plug. I am so sorry. MacGruber. No. I need to say this. I need to say this. Look, I've called you so many nasty things behind your back. I've called you a dirty diaper with arms, legs, and half a brain. Yeah, I said that about you. I called you a fucker, a fuckhead, fuckface. I said you were a motherfucker, a dick nose, dick face, dickhead, you know, shit eater, shit mouth, fucking tool, fucking asshole, fucking butt wipe, you know, shit dick, shit titty, titty dick, little bitch, piece of fuck, piece of shit. You know, I put them together and called you a piece of fucking titty dick shit. You know, I called you all that stuff, but I was wrong. Cause you're not a piece of fucking shit. You're a piece of fucking friend. And I mean that.